welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of September 1st, which is also the week before Labor Day. Uh, I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner here, as always, to discuss all of the latest Dirt Late Model news and results with the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff, including our managing editor, Todd Turner. Todd, can you uh, can you believe it's September already? Well, we've we've covered uh, Memorial Day weekend, Fourth of July, so so this is next. So we're yeah we're 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 here. Uh, fall uh, is not far away. You could be lying to me because it's been hot and we just had a hurricane down here in Florida. So I'm <laughs> looking forward to to fall. But uh, speaking of uh, moving right along, our dirt on dirt on dirt weekend editor Robert Holman is coming off a trip to Iowa for the World of Outlaws big weekend at Davenport Speedway. Robert heard it got a bit hot up there in Iowa this weekend. Were you able to keep cool out there? It was uh, it was really crazy hot, uh, more than I expected. When I left home, I I checked and and saw that it was going to be about oh 94, 95 degrees, and so I wasn't really looking forward to that heat. But then uh, of course I spent about uh, an hour and a half each night in my rental car doing work with a nice uh, air blowing. So so it was it was okay. I survived. Yeah, a while back we talked about our uh, craziest like setups and covering races. And I don't think any of us mentioned just uh, you know the old-fashioned rental car, uh, AC office setup, but uh, that, that happens quite quite frequently. Uh, and of course, Dirt on Dirt senior rider Kevin Govac is here as well. Kevin, you were at Port Royal Speedway's uh, Lucas Oil events this weekend. I imagine it was pretty disappointing uh, there when Saturday's finale rained out. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, you, you wait all, you go there for three days and uh, and you're getting ready towards race time and then it just downpours. <laughs> it kind of was a, a real bummer. It was like, yeah, if it was going to rain, I wish it would have rained one of the first two nights and washed them out. Not the, And I'm sure the drivers thought the same thing considering the $30,000 race is the one that was uh, washed away. So, but uh, good racing uh, otherwise, but uh, yeah, disappointing end uh, to the weekend. Yeah, I'm sure. And no one likes to see a rain out, especially on a big weekend like that with the with the finale, like you said. I uh, I also dealt with some rain at the races this weekend uh, while attending Sonoya Raceways, Michael Head Jr. Memorial. I wasn't there for Dirt on Dirt. I was actually helping out my brother's uh, my brother on his crew working on the race cars, which in that heat is a, a lot of work. But uh, but yeah, it did rain uh, there uh, early in the program and with 180 total cars, 100 of 103 of which were uh, in one of three late model divisions. I know the last thing the Pollard family and Clint Smith wanted was to have a rain out there. and uh, Luckily, they were able to survive a roughly about two-hour rain delay and get in most of the program before their midnight curfew, including the Southern All-Stars feature won by Ashton Winger. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll start this week, of course, with Davenport. It was the big race on the weekend, uh, two big races on the weekend, which is kind of crazy to have both national tours uh, running for thirty grand on Saturday. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with the Lucas Oil Tour there at Port Royal, but the World of Outlaws did get it in. And Robert, like we said, you were there at Davenport, uh, where Moran, Devin Moran, earned forty thousand dollars on the weekend in winning Thursday's uh, Quad Cities One Hundred and Fifty opener, and of course the thirty thousand dollar finale on Saturday. Uh, pretty dang impressive performance by Moran there, wouldn't you say, Robert? Uh, you know, obviously he he had a great weekend and and. You know, let's go ahead and and say he won forty three thousand five hundred dollars because he ran third, I guess, on on the uh, that that middle race there that the second night. So so he left there with forty three five, which is a, a pretty solid weekend. Uh, no matter how many laps you ran, I guess they ran they did you know run one hundred and fifty laps, forty forty and seventy. So that's why it was called the Quad Cities one fifty, uh, and he was. 
he just adapted to that every surface the surface was different every night and he was just excellent every you know him and and bobby pierce and and chris madden was good as well chris madden just didn't have the finishes that he should have uh but chris madden was was excellent too but uh moran just adapted wonderfully to the surface uh every single night uh you know just i was i was surprised how, how great he, he was out there and you know and he almost didn't go uh he got some assistance from from another trucking company actually to help him get out there uh he said he got a phone call and and um almost didn't even, uh, wasn't planning on going but got a phone call and and decided to, to make the trip out there and obviously it was a great decision on his part to to go uh, to go out there. So Moran was, was, I'm sure, uh, happy that he made that decision. Yeah. I was looking uh, while I was doing the top 25 of the notes for each driver there. The one I included for Moran is that, uh, he has gone over $150,000 in, in first place winnings this year, uh, with that, uh, those two wins out there. So big weekend for him. And uh, as we've talked about already, uh, a lot on here this year with all his wins that he's, uh, and the success that he's been having, um, a great year going for him. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about with the the race there uh, weekend out there at Davenport is kind of, uh, you know, the future of, you know, of this event. If this is, could ha- perhaps become a, a major event, it was kind of it wasn't the first time the Outlaws have been out there for a weekend. They went last year uh, amid the, uh, you know, uh, um, COVID pandemic. And I think it was uh, you know fan, uh, drivers only, no fans for their weekend trip uh, out there. But is this, uh, you know, Todd, you've, you're familiar with that place and that track and, and seen it kind of grow and, and adding a quarter mile and, and how that's worked out. Do you feel like they, uh, this is something that could become a, maybe a big event for the future, uh, after what we've seen this weekend? Yeah, maybe so, you know, Davenport kind of over the, over time has always been kind of a one-off place with a half mile back in the day. Uh, and really the world of outlaws now they run there six times in the last two years, which is, uh, which is a lot. And this weekend, particular weekend before Labor Day, you know, some years ago, this was a little bit of a dead weekend. Uh, you know, the Dirt Million got in on it a few years ago. Then Port Royal, of course, started their thing last year, which it appears they're going to continue. So so this, <laughs> if Davenport does settle in on this weekend uh, and Port Royal indeed stays on this weekend, it, it could go from a weekend that used to be kind of a, a lighter weekend to where uh, – uh, it becomes a busy weekend for both national tours. Um, so uh, it, it, it was a it was a kind of an attractive weekend that kind of was sitting there waiting to be plucked. And these days, as we know, there are very if you're trying to throw a big race, it's very few places to try to put one that doesn't conflict with an existing event. So uh, uh, if the Davenport and Port Royal people are happy with this, uh, maybe maybe we'll see this uh, on both the national to, national touring schedules next year. So I know for the Davenport folks, they have a solid IMTA program and they get uh, they had the summer nationals this year and they have some good specials there, but uh, to have kind of a fixture world of outlaws weekend would be good for, for a, for a state that in some ways has you know, not, not had the open competition late models that, uh, that they've had uh, in uh, considering the rate, the, the state's history. So, so we'll see, uh, see what the schedules look like. Uh, probably not uh, in a month or a couple of months, we'll see uh, what the national touring schedules look like. And if Davenport uh, shows up on it again. 
You you mentioned Todd, there not being any uh, you know very few light weekends, uh, you know, or, or this used to be a light weekend this past weekend, and I feel like we're headed to a you know a place in the sport where there are no light weekends from basically you know speed weeks through December. I guess there's a, there's always some big big races going on. So um, sure, uh, why not jump in there if you're Davenport Speedway and Port Royal on a on a and fill a kind of a a, a little bit of a void there. So I, I'm interested to see if they both you know, are able to thrive, uh, on the same weekend like that, two big events, you know, obviously the, the tours go head to head a lot, um, often throughout the year, but with, with both having big events, uh, there seems like they're far enough away, um, that maybe they can do that, but, uh, but we'll see, we'll be interesting to see when the schedules come out here shortly. Uh, Kevin, I know you were busy at Royal, but anything, uh, anything at Davenport there, uh, catch your eye as far as storylines and, uh, results there. Well, I, I'm kind of expand a little bit too, too more on, uh, on uh, the topic of uh, both running uh, Port Royal and Davenport, both racing and just being two weeks from the World 100. I, and like Todd said, it's always been like sort of a dead spot in the schedule. And, and, and I remember like it's it's been like a spot where it's been hard to to, to draw field, draw cars and, and fans, it seems like. But I, I kind of maybe based that because I remember being some there's some World of Outlaw races. It was at Atomic uh, Speedway in Ohio. Uh, a few years, like the two weeks before, and and they never really did well, you know. It, it would, but then I would you think about that, and that's probably because they're so close to Eldora. If you have a race uh, two weeks before the World 100 in the state of Ohio, uh, maybe that's gonna affect it more than I'm because I, I and because it didn't seem like it affected uh, Davenport, that's for sure. They had great crowds. Port Royal, I don't know, the question's kind of out on that one because I didn't really, I mean, there was a heck of a lot of campers there. I mean, the camping was like, man, I looked out and there's campers all over the place. Uh, probably one of the bigger camping events I've seen this year, but the crowd didn't seem like from Thursday and Friday, didn't seem really, really what I thought it would be. But of course there was rain in the forecast for both nights and, there wasn't Kyle Larson there this year either. So Kyle Larson definitely helped out that field. Uh, I mean, that crowd last year. I was really was hoping to see how Saturday went, if there would have been a big crowd there. But uh, I don't know. I think still Port Royal still far enough away from Eldora where that's not going to be like you, you know, get that lag that you do, like you would have uh, with uh, racing so close to the World 100 in in state, I guess. So. Um, I think that's point, that's the big thing. Keep the car, keep the big races on that weekend away from uh, Ohio, and and you probably will be okay. Yeah, and being in Iowa on uh, for the Outlaws and Pennsylvania uh, for the uh, Lucas Oil Series, that's about as far apart as you can get, and also be away from uh, Ohio, like you said. So uh, maybe they've they've hit on something there. But uh, as far as uh, Davenport goes, I just want to mention we will talk about the uh, Chris Madden and Bobby Pierce tangle there a little bit later in the podcast I have some questions uh, for you guys not not just about that but kind of uh, leading on to that and so I want to um, make sure we we hit on Port Royal a little bit more uh, before we get to that so uh, hang tight on that one if you're looking forward to hearing our take on some of that stuff uh, but uh, but yeah I did want to um, talk a little bit about uh, Port Royal uh, more specifically uh, and I'm gonna go uh, out of order here of course uh, Hudson O'Neill won on Thursday Tim McCready on Friday and I want to talk about McCready first uh, and I'm going to go back to you again, Kevin. Uh, with Dav Jonathan Davenport continuing to close in in the Lucas Oil title chase kind of leading up to this weekend, it, it really seemed like uh, McCready needed a bit of a momentum shift in the in the points chase there as he's as he was leading watching Davenport catching. Did you feel that way 
too? Uh, and, and was this a big enough shift to kind of make McCready the favorite now to, to win the title? Yeah, I saw it like just talking to, to Timmy after the race on on Thursday night when he got a fifth, but he had to start 16th. Uh, he was sort of frustrated with that because uh, was the he had had a great qualifying lap, started on the pole in the heat race, and then they called a, a sort of a jump there, I guess, on him. Uh, he went too early on the start, they said. Uh, officials uh, deemed it, and they called it back like right when he was between one and two. And he, he said he heard him on the radio say, you know, you know, caution. And he gets off the gas and it happened to be right where he kind of like hit a, a rut, you know, right where it was. And it just took him right towards the wall. And he ended up he, he was able to finish the race uh, after that, after hitting the wall. But he had you know, bent shock, bent deck and and uh, he ended up falling the fourth. So he ends up starting 16th. And that was a, a, a big uh, I mean, that's a that's a big thing, a big mountain to climb after. Uh, you had a chance to be on the front row of the feature. So here he is. Uh, he gets up to fifth, which was, I mean, that's a championship kind of run right there or in, in a race that Jonathan Davenport finished second. Uh, so you know that, I mean, a 10th place finish would have been really bad. Would have, been, would have brought that uh, point lead under 100 points uh, if he went and nobody even to get up there into the top five. So, but I could sense from afterwards, he was just a little still frustrated that he, he was missing something like the last few weeks and, and Davenport's been better and, and a little bit better and, and, Timmy's like, well, what, what do we need here? You know, like we can't be just, we can't keep finishing behind him because then we're going to lose the points. And then he comes back Friday and, and has a perfect night, really. I mean, he's right up front, wins his heat race, starts up front, was able to get the lead from Davenport in the second lap and then just stayed up there the whole race. And, and Davenport ended up getting that flat tire uh, halfway through, a little bit past halfway. And, and, and then he had a tire going down at the end also where he, so he wasn't able to get back up into the top 10. And, and that was a big swing puts the puts McCready back up over 200 points on Davenport also gave him his first win since the beginning of the July at Muskegon County. And I mean, it all seemed well in his world at that point, you know, he would have definitely pumped up for Saturday's race too. I think he would have had a, uh, you know, he would have been in line for another good finish there. So, you know, and then, I mean, it was probably a good weekend there too. You look at that, he, he loses Saturday's race. If you're looking at the points, I'm sure he wanted to win the money for Saturday, but he loses Saturday's race to a rainout. So that's wiped out. And then he find then they find out yesterday that the I-80 race is going to be canceled uh, coming up in September. So that, that's two less point races he has to worry about. So it, it definitely was a big weekend for McCready. Yeah, that's a, uh, a good note there or uh, worth mentioning. Uh, the less races, whether, you know, McCready stands to win them or not, but obviously the less opportunities that Davenport has to has to catch him. So two less races there um, could really uh, could really affect Davenport's uh, hopes of a comeback. So uh, we will uh, obviously have to uh, pay attention to that and see how it plays out over the next few months. Uh, you know, on here on the podcast here, we've obviously talked a lot about Hudson O'Neill. Um, just with him winning, obviously, his two big wins at the Show Me and the Topless. Uh, but I'm wondering, uh, Todd, I'm going to uh, kick this one to you, but I'm wondering if we learn perhaps a little more about him and his ability to be uh, kind of a weekend, uh, weekend and, and week out contender um, on the series after his performance this weekend. I don't think any of us ever doubted Hudson O'Neill in some way, but, you know, kind of his uneven journey here the last couple of years uh, has, has left it maybe in – you know, has opened some doubt to it. Uh, but now it feels like definitely this double down motorsports combination working with this bunch in Tennessee. I mean, they are 
they are, I mean, they are solid third. I mean, to be the third best team on the Lucas Oil series in points, I mean, that is saying something. I mean, you're ahead of ahead of some other guys, and he's not too far away from Davenport and McCready, really. And, uh, you know, really an impressive season for O'Neal. And, and I noticed that the other day, that was his first back-to-back Lucas Oil wins. He certainly had a lot of success on the series, but... But uh, but but now to kind of be up front all the time, uh, um, you know he, you know, and he's 20 years old. I guess turned 21 here shortly. But uh, really r- remarkable that he uh, uh, has has you know kind of studied himself. And I think everybody kind of wondered, hey, when Double Down hired him, you know, how is this going to work out? You know, you know, what chance are they going to run? Are they going to be you know dialed in? And and as it turns out, I mean, what a I mean, what a solid season already, and he's got some more to go to see uh, see what else he can do at some of these uh, upcoming Lucas Oil events and, and Eldora and wherever else. You, you know, one thing that kind of fascinates me, and, and I, I, I'm just kind of like a, um, you know, th- a geek out over like the, uh, you know, who's having the better season and the best season and, and like the top five stuff at the end of the year, I'm always just uh, intrigued over and, you know, always kind of look toward that, you know, throughout the year, especially this time of the year, as it's like, okay, who's, who's in there. And, you know, if we're talking about driver of the year and top five and, and who's not, and who needs, you know, what to get there. And, and this time, you know, last year we, we kind of struggled. I remember, and, you know, go talking about who would be the top five and finding a fifth place guy. And I feel like this year between guys like, you know, Hudson O'Neill and Devin Moran, and, you know, you can name off the top 10 in our current top 10 right now, on the top 25 poll, really the most of them have a case for being, you know, fourth or fifth. And, you know, I feel like there's a few guys there, Davenport, uh, Overton are going to probably be, you know, when sunk more of your top two, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, with these guys that are having really great years, like I said, uh, Moran and O'Neill included. And I'm just going to go and throw it out there. Kyle Larson uh, is making a case too, with some of his, some of his performances, even on a part-time basis. So anyway, that'll be interesting to keep up with, uh, you know, as we watch the rest of the year and, and turn toward that, obviously way down the road, uh, although with the way time flies these days, it'll be here for, you know, it um, we'll get to that in the future. But one thing I did want to get to and get back to uh, is, is I meant is the uh, Bobby Pierce and Chris Madden tangle there at the uh, late in the finale on Saturday at Davenport. And uh, I, I, re- I, I did before I'd even seen the results. Like I said, I was at the races at Sonoya there and I just opened my phone at one point and, the first thing I knew from the feature at um, uh, Davenport was what happened with uh, Madden and Pierce. And I saw Pierce's Facebook post kind of taking the blame for the uh, for the the tangle there and saying basically saying he didn't mean to do it. It was unintentional. And, you know, sorry, I hate it happened. Um, first of all, I'm going to go back to you, Robert, and kind of explain what happened there in that instance. And then I want to talk a little bit about what, you know, when a guy says that an unintentional wreck, you know, how that's processed both from the driver's standpoint on both sides and also as a series and the officials, how they uh, kind of decide what to do there. But Robert, tell us a little bit about that that tangle and, and kind of the way you saw it there. Well, you know, uh, Madden had worked his way into into second, finally. Uh, I'm not, I can't remember exactly where. I think he might have started third, but uh, he ran top five, you know, for, for much of the race. And you have to understand how wide this racetrack is. Um, you might be running third on one lap and seventh on the next lap via the monitor just because the track is so crazy wide and so many and so you know some people are right around the hub and some people are up on the on the cushion and so they're spread out 
and sometimes three and four wide. So you might go from second to sixth in one lap and, and actually not really lose ground, you know, because you're, because there's so, so such tight racing right there. So Madden had dropped back a little bit. Uh, he had worked his way back into second, finally got back around uh, Pierce, I believe. And seemed to be comfortably ahead of him to me, actually. Um, but apparently not, uh, but he, he, he seemed to be, but he, he's going down the back straightaway. And as he goes to basically make his line into turn three, kind of dive down into the corner, um, Pierce just clips him as he's going by and spins him around completely. I mean, if you watch the video, it, it, clearly looks like Pierce dumps him, you know, and it clearly looks like Pierce dumps him without even checking up. And I would say he probably did. I don't think that Pierce did check up because he is, and, and I talked to both of them after the race, actually talked to, to Chris and, and to Bobby and, and, you know, Bobby explained it to me and, and I understand the explanation. Um, he expected, Madden to maybe carry a, a little bit more momentum into the corner and probably be another, you know, five inches ahead of him. But, but I'd say he probably expected him to be another foot ahead of him. But if he's five inches more ahead of him, then he doesn't spin him. You know, he doesn't turn him around at all. Uh, if it's just, it's, it was that close. Uh, if he's another foot in front of him, if, if, but, but Madden had been running, you know, he'd been going in and really kind of going down low and chopping the corner off. And Pierce was heading, wanting to go straight by him and get that run straight up to the cushion and, and really roll around the top and try to get by him on the outside. So he expected Madden to, to cut that corner and dive down. And when Madden was maybe, like I said, six inches, 12 inches slower or, or closer, when he went by him, he clipped him and turned him around. And uh, that's pretty much what happened and Bobby was apologetically unapologetic if that makes sense it's you know it was like he was yeah he had he said he's it's his fault and and he didn't mean to do it but at, in the same breath he said it was just racing and he actually said that to me three times as racing uh you know so he was like I said if, if it makes sense to say he's a, unapologetically a apologetic because he 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 definitely clearly didn't mean to do it he didn't want to turn him around but he at the same time he he didn't really you know he was heading for a spot and and he was determined to get there yeah it definitely like like madden was letting his car kind of swing out he was running an interesting line there where, like you said he went down the straightaway would kind of swing out into that top groove a little bit kind of leave his right rear quarter just out there enough that it was if it you know uh, Pierce would kind of have to break his momentum and of course didn't want to. Uh, Todd, you kind of wrote about this, I think a story earlier this, uh, this year about situations. And I think, uh, one you mentioned was, um, uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. And Brian Shirley tangling it back in speed weeks, I believe at Ocala, um, you know, where it was, I didn't mean to do that, but you know, on, in, uh, on Thornton's part, but Shirley's part is what still happened. <laughs> you know, like how, how do you think drivers, uh, take that? Like, is it, does it make it any better? You know, when it was like, well, I didn't really mean to, you know, sorry about that. Or is it still just as a uh, stinging of a uh, situation there? 
Well, that's what kind of drew me to that story is is my own social awkwardness when when you when you have to like approach somebody about something you did wrong or accidentally or whatever. And among those drivers, I mean, you you really have to have a thick skin as a driver and also know how to deal with that kind of stuff. Because you know, with Bobby and Chris, you know, this thing happened, you know, and and Chris is going to be mad, and Bobby is, you know, hey, sorry, but this is the things that happen out here. Um, so yeah, I, that, that, that intrigues me, that, that relationship. And I think part of it is, is each driver, how they carry themselves and how they treat other drivers throughout the year. You know, if you are constantly running over people, uh, and being un unapologetic about it or whatever, you're certainly going to get less, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get less love from everybody else. Now, if you are you know, if it's a rarity that you get into somebody, you will much more likely to get a pass, I think. Uh, but, you know, we all know these guys are out here racing around in conditions where I think if we sat behind the cockpit in, in, in these cars and saw the bouncing around and whatever, the fact that they don't hit any more than they do really shocks me. So, so like in the incident this weekend, you know, just a few inches here or there. And in that case, to me, it looked like Mad was just maybe a little bit you know, a little bit slower getting in and maybe Pierce had a better run than usual and they come together where, you know, we're, you know, on the next lap or the previous lap, it didn't or wouldn't have have happened. So, so, you know, it doesn't take much for it to, you know, things to go wrong for somebody. But I, I think um, it's funny. I talked to Devin about that story. And, and De one of the funny thing Devin said is like, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to cause any problems with these with these guys. And another thing that other Devin and other guys say, you're not going to run right up to the guy and talk to him immediately. Usually, if it's if it's kind of a heated situation, um, you know, in this case, Bobby used Facebook to kind of at least clear the air a little bit. But uh, uh, Devin or Devin said, and I think Ricky Thornton, a couple other guys said, yeah, you, know, you give it a couple of days, you know, and then you kind of go go to the guy and say, hey, you know, sorry about getting into you or or here's what happened or whatever. And again, depending on the relationships of the two guys, eh, they kind of go on and it's no big deal. Now, if the guys have had run ins before or, or if uh, somebody has a reputation for 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 being a little too hard, hard on uh, hard on the fenders here and there, then uh then uh, maybe it'll go the other way. But it, it is, personally for me, <laughs> I mean, again, like the social awkwardness of like dealing with people when it's kind of a tense situation. I, as a driver, I would have a lot of trouble with that. You know, just, I would have a lot of trouble just walking around the pits, you know, by two cars that I knew I wrecked last week and I haven't said anything to them. <laughs> it just, it just seems like a, seems like a lot to, uh, to kind of, you know, again, the thick skin thing, you got to move on. This is racing and, and this stuff happens, but, uh, but it can cause for some interesting situations. And of course, us as writers are always kind of quick to, to talk to those two guys who are in a situation like that. Yeah, it definitely. It's the, uh, uh, you know, stirs up the drama and it, it makes for a lot of times some interesting reporting. I mean, depending on the driver, some guys that like, like Madden, I don't think, you know, is one to say a whole lot about those situations, but, uh, sometimes you, uh, we, we all remember last year with the, uh, uh, Pierce and, and Tyler Herb dust up that made for um, a lot of a lot of drama, but um, but yeah, one thing, uh, Robert, do you want to have something to add about about that? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that incident because the Madden and and Pierce thing was it 
it wasn't an exact replay, but it was very, very similar. The accident, you know, what happened was, you know, Pierce, it looked like Pierce dumped Madden and it looked like Pierce dumped, you know, Tyler and, and almost in the same spot. Am I wrong? I mean, I'm, am I, am I remembering that wrong? I mean, it looked they are like both it was turn three, like, right? Yeah, yeah, both turn three, yeah. both getting in, both almost in the exact same way. It looked like, you know, which which I looked like I think, you know, Tyler maybe, you know, he looked like he more clipped Madden as opposed to where I think Tyler he was more a little bit completely up under him, maybe a little bit, but but it was those two incidents were very, very similar in terms of yeah. of what of what happened in terms of, of everything except obviously the aftermath. Yeah. I think one thing, and and I think Pierce, this might be would be his argument in those situations, is when a guy's running the bottom and in the corners, and he's letting his car drift all the way, and and, and uh, it seems like Herb was letting his car at Cedar Lake drift almost all the way to the wall, blocking the outside line. I don't think uh, uh, Madden was quite letting his car go all the way out um, to the top of the track, but he was definitely in in Bobby's groove, and that's one argument I think says somebody who you know if you run the top a lot like Bobby does, you'll probably make is, you know, if you're going to run the bottom, leave me a line up there. Of course, when it's late in the race, you know, it's a, it's a big difference between second to third, you know, Madden's probably kind of letting it drift out to kind of try to break uh, whoever's coming. And if he, if he knew Bobby was behind him, he probably knows he's on the top trying to break his momentum there. Uh, Kevin, I know you, you, uh, I, I feel like you do a good job of getting, uh, you know, pretty close with these drivers, kind of understand their personalities and how they deal with these situations. Uh, you know, have you had any interest is, interesting instances, um, you know, where you've had to go and, and interview a couple of guys, uh, you know, in, in, in a situation like this where the one takes the blame, but, you know, is, is I'm sorry enough in those situations? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of think uh, like I can remember some summer nationals, too. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that I think that Shannon Babb got Bobby back I and mean, he kind of ran him into the wall, I think, at uh I'm making, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there was an incident there. And, and and that was one where Shannon Babb was like, that's it. I'm just, I just had it, you know, I've just had it with him. You know, he's going to, he's going to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry all the time, you know? And, and, and I see that with, with drivers drivers when they, uh, one driver sometimes, I and mean, he seems like, it seems like the drivers always get together here too. I mean, it seems like once they get a deal together, they got a magnet together, you know, and they're pulling them. Uh, close and these guys are just going to keep going at it and especially with the summer nationals of the night after night racing and and all the years that bab and and pierce run together and and bab just had had enough he said and and i wasn't going to take it anymore and maybe sometimes that's what you have to do i mean tyler herb was sort of saying that with bobby uh at cedar lake maybe he didn't handle it perfectly correctly by at the aftermath but uh, cause I know like Scott Bloomquist had, has always had said to me too, he goes, yeah, you know, you're, you're very angry and you want to go get them, but it's better to, to put it up a notch on your, uh, on your, uh, bedpost and then get them like when he's not expecting it, which might've been like the bad situation with Pierce later on, you know, uh, don't, don't make, uh, uh, don't get yourself thrown out of another race because you've been taken out, but. Hey, you're in the middle of the pack somewhere a couple of weeks, times later, and you're not going to give them, uh, you're not going to, you know, give them any, any, give them an inch and, and it might be taking them around. And, and, uh, 
So I, I, I've, I've seen that quite a bit. I mean, I, I just know that there's some drivers that'll say like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know, it, sorry's not good enough. If it's like, if you've taken that other guy out quite a bit, if you've, you've got a reputation of never really getting into people, you know, um, uh, and, and then you do it, you know, like if, uh, it, like really if Scott Bloomquist gets into somebody, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, he probably was really, really sorry because I don't remember him really getting into many people. Um, over the years, or, or Tim McCready's a guy. I mean, I don't remember him getting into many people over the years, and and when he does get into somebody, I mean, I think he he really is uh, sorry about it. You know, those some of the some of those guys that are a little bit less uh, rough, I guess, or, or aggressive. But I, I got wine. One thing, I I will not be surprised one bit that if at Eldora, in in less than two, you know, next week. Chris Madden and Bobby Pierce will be starting next to each other in at least one race. I mean, did you, or they're going to be coming right together plenty, for a win or second place. For there's uh, there's going to be no doubt that if they're, they're going to be attracted together. It always happens. It seems after they get it. And then we'll, we'll see what happens. See if, uh, if Chris Madden remembers uh, there, or if he, if he accepts that apology or if he didn't, I guess we'll know at that point. But well, you know, one let's, thing don't, you said let's that... don't forget, guys, that uh, that after that after that race, you know, Madden Madden kind of did go up and get into Bobby a little bit there. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if he got him in the door or from behind, and kind of uh, kind of I don't know if he's the one that necessarily sent him off the track after the race is over with. But you know, just like like Bobby said in Bobby's mind, you know, he said we're even because. Madden mm-hmm. did kind of retaliate after the race. So in, so in Bobby's mind, they're even. But I'm not 100% sure in Chris's mind if that was the same, you know, because it didn't cost Bobby any spots. It cost, it cost you know, it cost Chris a couple thousand dollars there. You know, it cost Chris mm-hmm. potentially uh, $10,000. Honestly, if you go back and add it up, let's see if 15000 for seconds, what he probably might have would have sat there and it cost, it cost you know, Chris, about ten, ten, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, I think that's one thing that makes it worse uh, is whenever it, it it is costly. And actually, one of the reasons I thought this was a, a timely discussion was, uh, of course, the Madden and Pierce dust up there at Davenport. But also, while I was at Sonoy with my brother, um, he was, you know, my brother Joseph Joyner was running the Southern All Stars race and got taken out um, by uh, by Billy Franklin, a you know former uh, last year's Southern All Stars champion. They um, he kind of got in the really slam Joseph and we've raced enough with Billy Franklin to know that that's, you know, typically not how he races. And we, you know, from the minute it happened, um, you know, we kind of knew that it was probably wasn't intentional. Uh, and after going back and watching the video, you can see Billy hit the, the mud, the, the, from that rain I mentioned earlier, there was literally standing water on the bottom of the track and Billy hit it and it just shot him up the track when, it, when he hit it with his front tires, he slams into Joseph. It, it spins Joseph down the straightaway and uh, he ends up hitting the inside wall pretty hard there, the inside wall at Sonoya. And, you know, if I was actually over there at the shop with them yesterday as they were kind of going through it. And it's, you know, it's going to probably be $5,000 worth of damage to the car. Uh, you know, all this uh, four bar system, the rear end, probably have to have a new rear end, uh, drive shaft, just all kinds of damage. Luckily, not not the uh, the frame itself wasn't bent, but it's like you're sitting there. And, and of course, Billy, I think he, he didn't say anything much at the track, I don't think, but he called Joseph on Monday and you know apologized and everything and, and like i said we knew it wasn't intentional because we've raced with billy enough to know he wouldn't do that on, on purpose but it still it doesn't make it any better you know when you say you're sorry and you're lo- already looking at a bill from you know your your parts manufacturer parts uh supplier of you know 
five, six thousand dollars or whatever. So I think that, you know, even though in, in my brother's situation, it was they're racing for, I think, ninth and tenth, um, you know, in a regional show, it's not a lot of money on the line. But then when you tear that much up, it does make it pretty frustrating. And the other thing I will say is, you know, in through racing with my brothers, we've been in situations and I can think of one earlier this season. I won't uh, mention a whole lot about it, but a certain driver uh, slammed him in, in racing for the lead. And, you know, afterward he says, oh, I thought I had more room. Sorry. But, you know, that driver has had other run ins enough in the past that, you know, that, you know, it really sorry doesn't cut it. And, yeah, you definitely store that in the back of your mind. You know, and if there's another situation where you know, you're not going to cut him any slack either later on down the road and maybe even give it to him a little harder than he gave it because uh, you feel like you owe him one, as you kind of mentioned there, uh, Kevin. Another uh, thought on that real quick. I want to uh, turn to you, Todd, because I know you mentioned this is, is how the officials look at that. I know they didn't. Um, I don't think Bobby was penalized even though clearly he got in the back of Madden and spun him. What's your, your take on that? Is that, you know, is that, is that fair or do you feel like something should have happened there? I mean, I think in that case, probably it's the right call. I think, I think the officials are sitting there saying, Hey, is that guy racing hard or somewhere, but somewhere you have to make the judgment. Is that a retaliatory thing or is that being too aggressive? You know, I think the general term that, that you hear somebody was penalized for quote rough driving, uh, and maybe it takes a couple of things in one race. If you do like the second time, you would maybe be targeted with that. Uh, you know, like Parker Martin at the National 100. I think everybody can kind of agree on the last lap. He he ran in there. You know, he was running in there and he's going to run over whoever. He didn't care. And so maybe that was a little easier call where a guy clips a guy a little. It's it's it. You know, it's less likely. But the I guess the harder the harder the damage it harder the contact is or if we all are trying to kind of like do a little mind reading and figure out is this driver mad at this other driver and that's why he is he made this contact and i think for officials that can be a that can be a really tough call you know like i think i think yeah in this pierce madden case i think it would have been overreaching to say that was rough driving but but uh Say that was the first night, and Pierce did that, and then he did it again to somebody the next night. Then you, then you're a little bit like, eh, you know, it's like, you know, how many guys is some can somebody spend without us penalizing them? I, I don't know. I just think as an official, it is very difficult shoes to be in when you, uh, uh, you know, you have those on the line of like, oh, is that a mistake or is that? Is that is it somebody not in control of their car, basically? So that's a that's a tricky thing. It, it kind of opens a can of worms. I know if, as an official, you know they're trying to use as little judgment, you know, as possible. Like it, like it needs, you know, they want black and white calls to have to make. They don't want to have to, you know, make a judgment call. And in that case, you're kind of making two judgment calls. If you make a call there, you're judging whether or not Bobby, you know, the contact. In, in Bobby's case, turn mad, which is pretty clear in Bobby's case, but other, some other situations aren't as clear. So whether or not they cause the other person direct, and then you got to determine and make the judgment whether or not it was intentional or unintentional. So it's, it is a, like you said, a, a tough spot for, for officials to be in. Uh, Robert, do you have uh, one more thing you want to add real quick before we move on? No, no I was just going to say, I was going to kind of uh, piggyback off what you said about, uh, you know, drivers have uh, good memories. Um, my brother, for instance, got, got knocked completely, you know, out of the way, um, out of a transfer spot for a, a race that would have been a big, big race for us to, to get the start in, uh, where we probably would have started on the first two rows of this race. And, uh, 
and me and him were kind of chatting about this topic last night. He has not forgotten it, and it was about 12 years ago. And he said he still owes that guy, and if he's ever fast enough to catch him again, then he will turn him around or put him in the wall. He has not, and this is a, this is a, uh, I'm not going to mention the driver because I like the guy, but uh, it's it's coming if he's ever fast enough to catch him again. So, uh, so drivers, I think drivers 15 have, years is the limit. So he's going to have no, to get to him here. He, quick. Listen, 15 I'm years, telling, I think, is the hey, statute of limitations. Well, well, we've only actually <laughs> raced against him twice since then. So, so we don't, you know, we haven't. And and the, the last time we actually raced against this particular person, we were fast enough. We just ran out of time. We were, we were getting there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, uh, drivers have good memories, you know? And so, you know, they're like, like, uh, uh Kevin was saying about Bloomquist. Sometimes, you know, you just, uh, put it on the, on the notch it up and, and get them, get them later. Now, 10, 15 years later, eh, that person might be saying, what in the, what in the heck, what, what was that about? You know, I have no clue I'm, what I'm just going to happened. tell y'all. I, I haven't driven a late model since 2007. If I ever get in one again, there are guys that I have, you know, I remember instances and I will at some point <laughs> get them People back if the opportunity presents itself. So right. you don't forget as a, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot of racing in my day, but as a, uh, you know, as a somewhat of a former racer driver, I, you, you don't forget. But uh, anyway, that, that's funny. We're going to, uh, we're running a little long here. So we're going to, I want to combine our last kind of two segments here. Uh, we always end with, uh, one more thing, and I also wanted to hit on, you know, with Labor Day weekend coming up, kind of you know, preview a couple things there. So what I want you guys to do is we're going to do one more thing, or it's going to be two more things. And the first one is going to be one thing you're watching for uh, uh, throughout Labor Day weekend with all the racing going on. Give us something you're you're watching for there, something quick. Don't don't go too long here. Uh, and then one uh, your your usual one more thing, well, something from the past week, a note, a uh, news note, or a result, or something that stood out to you. So uh, two things there for one more thing. Uh, I'll start with you, Kevin. Uh, well, this one more thing this, uh, this weekend, uh, it, it's pretty big weekend in Pennsylvania. I, I mentioned this in, in, uh, our fast talk also, but you know, 12,000 a win on, it's all ULMS sanctioned races, 12,000 a win on Friday at Bedford, 60, over $6,000 to win at Port Royal with lap money involved in that race too, at, uh, at Port Royal on Saturday and 5,000 at Seals Grove on Sunday. So, I mean, uh, for for the regional local guys in in that area, I mean that's a that's a that's a darn good three race swing. All the tracks within, I mean, they're big tracks. Remember this though. I mean, you better be ready for for your half mile racing because there's no little bull rings in in this trio of tracks. But uh, really good good amount of money on the line for a little tiny area, maybe two hours away of the radius of all these tracks. So uh, be watching that and uh, seeing who uh, who excels uh this weekend there uh and then for one more thing uh i just noticed that it was a pretty pretty neat uh win for ethan wilson down there at friendship motor speedway with the ultimate southeast on uh on saturday the thing that was his first ever uh, super late model win uh, let alone ultimate southeast and and it just kind of fits in with like what's uh been happening especially with the ultimate southeast series there's he was the fifth guy just look back on the on the results this year fifth guy this year that's won their first ever Ultimate Southeast race, uh, including including Clay Knight, Anthony Sanders, Michael Brown, and Banjo Duke, which is one of the that's one of the 
uh, names of the year, I think. One of the best racing names, Banjo Duke. But um, uh, so you got those five guys winning Ultimate Southeast. That's a that's a pretty good season for the for the regional tour. Get some new names out there. Get some I know because a lot of times it's been the guy who even wins a championship for Ultimate Southeast hasn't even won a race. So uh, it, some new guys breaking through, and that that's good for the Southeast, I think. Yeah, definitely good to see some uh, some some new names, new blood, if you will, uh, in Victory Lane there on uh, on the regional level. Uh, Robert, what about you? Got uh, one thing you're looking forward to uh, on Labor Day weekend, and then your usual one more thing for this week. Uh, well, definitely uh, this weekend I'll be uh, have an eye on the um, Chris Tilley's series, the Ironman South series. Uh, they'll be at uh, two and a half Tennessee tracks and a half Georgia track. Uh, they'll be at, uh, or technically three Tennessee track. I don't know. They'll be at Boyd's, uh, which, you know, of course the racetrack is in Georgia and the pit area is in Tennessee. So they'll be at Boyd Speedway there in the, in the, uh, Chattanooga area. And then they will be at Mountain View, uh, which is from what I understand is the first super late model race uh there but i don't think it's the first super late model race ever at that track i think it's going to be the first super late model race at the new kind of configuration since they redid the track and stuff there and then of course they're going to be at taswell for a, a five-figure payday so so two and a half tennessee tracks hosting the uh uh the the ironman series so i'm going to be going to be having my eye on that for sure it's a four four and a ten uh so that's going to be uh, a good weekend for that group and then uh, as far as, you know, this past week, something you don't see or hear much of, you know, um, Mike Knuckles there at, the, at Warrior Race Cars had the, uh, the Warrior Race Cars in the wind tunnel. They uh, had uh, spent some wind tunnel time uh, this weekend, and um, I'm not exactly sure where they took it to, but I know that, uh, but, they, but they did spend some wind tunnel time to do some research and, and some R&D, as, as we like to say in the business. And so I'm curious to see, you know, how, uh, what kind of numbers he got and what kind of information he had. I haven't spoken with him yet, but I'm curious to see what kind of numbers he got and, and the information that he, that they were able to glean from, from that trip to the wind tunnel. I thought that was very interesting because you don't, you know, you don't see a dirt late model in a wind tunnel that often, even though it does happen. So very, very interesting there. Yeah. I'm interested to see how much, uh, those uh, notes gained from the wind tunnel trip might become public knowledge or, or probably not. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, see, Todd, uh, what's your two more, more things? Uh, this one thing coming up this week and one thing from the past week. Yeah, for Labor Day weekend, I'm going to Cherokee on Thursday, which uh, for $40,000 would normally be the richest Thursday race of the year. But this one's like third or fourth in this crazy year where we have lots of midweek racing. But uh, lots of good storylines here, you know, besides uh, the World of Outlaws down there. You know, Brandon Overton's expected to be there. Probably Jonathan Davenport, Tim McCready. So it's uh, lots of guys going for some big money there. And uh, that historic track um i don't know i'm hoping for something uh an interesting uh interesting night and then uh, some good stuff to write about 
And then for my one more thing, I noticed that uh, out there in Oregon, John Duty, uh, his son Justin, is a little more noteworthy these days running the MLRA circuit. But John Duty climbed in a car for the first time in a couple of years, and he won uh, at Willamette Speedway there. Uh, kind of pulled away from him one by four or five seconds. So uh, John Duty, uh, he's got uh, he's got one one up on his son there, at least for the one weekend. Uh, so good to see uh, he can still uh, wheel a race car. There you go. Good deal. Uh, I'll say uh, my one thing. One thing I'm looking forward to this weekend is uh, to following is the, the the big crate race, Crate USA, twenty thousand to win, uh, Chevy Performance World Championship at uh, Cochrane Motor Speedway there in Georgia. Um, kicks off a a uh, stretch of racing for the crates in the southeast. That's uh, lucrative to say the least. You got twenty thousand at Cochrane this weekend on Labor Day, and then uh, the week after the world, you have fifty thousand. Uh, the 50,000 to win Super B 100 at uh, recently renamed Super B Speedway in Chatham, Louisiana. And then in October, a little later, you got $26,000 on the line for the crates at Alltech Raceway in the uh, Powell Family Memorial. So uh, for those guys that do a little of both, uh, it's time to kind of uh, be getting the crates, uh, the crate motor car uh, going and uh, and tuned up because a lot of money on the line. So be interested to see how it shakes out there at Cochrane. Uh, my one more thing, I'm going to stick in Georgia and go back to Sonoya again. Um, just wanted to, to mention because of the, the big race coming up at the end of the year there, the Peach State Classic, uh, an inaugural event, 52000 to win on the, the Saturday there in November, uh, the weekend after the uh, World Finals, I'm forgetting the exact date, uh, and 10000 on Friday. Gonna, after what I saw uh, Saturday night at Sonoya, that thing, that is going to be huge. That place for the uh, Michael Head Jr. Memorial was packed uh, this past, past Saturday, uh, past Saturday. Uh, all around the track, you had uh, cars in the tier parking um, pretty much full. And then I didn't see hardly a single spot in the stands to fit many more people there. So the Pollard family, they may be looking to uh, add some bleachers, uh, especially if the weather ends up being nice for uh, the big race there at the end of the year. And I really hope it does because, you know, as a Dirt Lake model uh, fan, former driver, brother of driver here in the southeast, I really hope there's a, that, that event sticks around and becomes a big event, crown jewel event maybe down the road for uh, for the southeast here. Um, so yeah, also I was going to mention Ashton Winger, Ashton Winger, big win for him coming back from, uh, the running in the Midwest and, and coming home there. I know he was excited to get that win. Uh, of course came over Jonathan Davenport, who was in his brother, Cody Overton. I'm sorry. Uh, came, came over Brandon Overton, uh, and who was in his brother, Cody Overton's car, uh, there at that race, uh, trying something a little different. And it was still pretty good. Just wasn't quite fast enough to catch Winger at the end. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Appreciate y'all listening. We hope you have a great Labor Day uh, weekend and Labor Day holiday, and look forward to having you back here to hear us again next week. Have a good one.